Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello, and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so thrilled to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author, and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together, and thankfully, we have a lot of wonderful people we can call on to get the help and insight we need along the way. Now, more than one out of every five students report being bullied, according to the National Center for Educational Statistics. One third of students who reported being bullied at school indicate that they were bullied at least once or twice a month during the school year. The reason for this bullying, physical appearance, race, ethnicity, gender, disability, religion, sexual orientation, just to name a few. There is no doubt that we have a problem in our schools and our parents and our teachers and our children really need solutions. So what do we do? And is there a way to stop bullying before it starts? We've talked with a few experts on social aggression in the history of how to talk to kids about anything, from Rosalind Wiseman to Carrie Goldman, and most recently Katie Hurley, who looked at social aggression specifically in girls. Today we are going to focus on preventative solutions to this pervasive issue, namely what my guest and good friend Michelle Borba is calling the six R's of bully prevention. Dr. Michelle Borba is an internationally recognized educational psychologist and expert in bullying, social emotional learning, and character development, has spoken to over 1 million participants on five continents. She is a Today Show contributor, appearing over 140 times and featured as an expert on Dateline, The View, Dr. Phil, and more, among others, and regularly quoted in national media from the New York Times, Time Magazine, Boston Globe, Washington Post. Dr. Borba has authored 24 books. Her latest are on selfie, Why Empathetic Kids Succeed in Our All About Me World, and End Pure Cruelty, Build Empathy, the proven six R's of bullying prevention that create inclusive, safe, and caring schools, which comes out this week and is wonderful. I've read the manuscript already. For more information, you can see michelleborba.com on Facebook. You can go to Dr. Michelle Borba and Twitter, Michelle Borba. So excited to have you back on the show for a second time. Welcome, my friend, Michelle Borba, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Oh, thank you for inviting me back. I love talking to you, Robin. You do a real service for parents and educators. Oh, well, thank you. And I love talking to you, too, whether or not we're on a show together. I, I still remember when we were on the Today Show together. That was so much fun. We need to do that again. Oh, well, it was. It was really fun. So thank you. Let's figure this out. Yeah. So before we jump right in, I would love you to tell us what got you so interested in the topic of bully prevention at this time. Well, it's always been children, Robin, no matter what. In fact, the best ideas I've ever come up with, I can't take credit for them. It's always been a child. But this one actually started a number of years back, and it was in Columbine. I'd actually spoken at Littleton, Colorado before that massacre. I remember going home to my husband and saying, this is where we should be raising our children, my, my three boys. 
And then the massacre broke out. We all saw it on TV and our hearts were just stopped Mm -hmm. for a minute. And then I realized if it can happen there, it can happen anywhere. And I started studying school violence. I actually wrote a bill on how to stop school violence that was passed by the state of California. But the most important thing I learned is that violence is learned, bullying is learned, Mm -hmm. and so it can be unlearned. The moment that just was the trajectory of stop me in my path was I just finished giving the speech. I walked outside to the hallway and I heard this kid coming, walking down the hallway. He was holding up his jeans so they won't fall down. I looked at him like, why is he here? And he turns and looks at me and yells, great speech, lady. Mm-hmm. It was like, when a kid says that to you, it's like, what? So I pulled him over and said, what'd you like about it? And he said, it was all that stuff you talked about teaching kids how to care. That would have kept my brother out of jail. So you oh. keep giving that speech, lady. And I I realized he was right. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, that's how it is. That's what it is. We can make a difference here. We can make a difference. And I think you're right. We all need to kind of get on the same page. And probably before we get into solutions, I think it's important to define bullying because it's often misconstrued. It's mislabeled. Frankly, you know, it's, it's an overused term some of the time. And we certainly can't stop bullying until we know what it is that we're stopping. So can you take a moment and then just define it from your perspective? All right. This is a not just my perspective. This is the leading experts in the world. And the first step is you cannot stop it unless you're all on board understanding what it is. Mm-hmm. It always has three parts. First, it's always intentional. It is not an accident where some kid by accident trips another child. This is intentional cruelty. Number two, it's always uh, a power imbalance. These are two kids or more than two kids, but they can't, one child who is the victim or the target cannot hold his own. And as a result, the child continues usually to be picked on. He can't hold his own either by size, power, uh, status. Mm -hmm. The third thing is usually repeated. So you put all those three things together. It is not normal discord. It's not a little argument. And if you realize what bullying is, now you can make a difference to stop it. First step is ask your child what you think bullying is. Take a moment to go on your child's website together. Look at what the definition of bullying is on your child's website. Hopefully it's there on the school website. Mm -hmm. Once you start that conversation, you're all on the same page together. And that's the first way to begin making a difference. In fact, that's the first R of bullying prevention of the six R's figuring out what your rules are and figuring out what it is so you're talking the same talk. Perfect. I think that's so important. And I define it very similarly. I use an A, A, B, C, D. uh, And I will say, A, it's aggressive. B, the balance of power is unequal, older, younger, bigger, smaller, all those things you were talking about. C, is it consistent? And D, is it deliberate? And when we can think about it that way, we know that not all of behavior that we see, the sort of quote unquote drama that some people label or um, the typical friendship issues that happen on the playground or elsewhere, they don't fit into that definition. The balance of power is really important. When you were talking about, you know, it could be two on one, it could be a bigger kid, a smaller kid, an older kid, a younger kid, uh, a kid with uh, who's typically developing and a kid with special needs. These are all ways for things to become unbalanced. You know, but often people will say when they look at bullying that kids will be kids and that 
bullying has always occurred and it will always occur. So I'd love to get into those thoughts on prevention. Can bullying really be prevented? And if so, what would it take? First of all, it is clear that bullying breeds in certain cultures more than others. We know that, and we're looking at the research. We've even interviewed kids who bullied in one school, then moved to another, and we say, it looks like you're not doing that behavior. What's going on Mm, or what's different? They said, well, first of all, the norms are different. They don't let you do it here, and they watch us. Hmm. Well, that alone will tell you, you can make a difference. Second, yes, there's always been bullying. My concern, it's more intense, and it's starting earlier. And it's also now in different avenues, but we do know it also can be cyberbullying. There's different types of bullying. There's an emotional bullying, which is the part that really hurts. There's also verbal bullying. There's physical bullying. There's also cyberbullying. And there's also relational bullying. Different kinds of bullying happens at different levels. But the most important thing is it certainly can be dramatically reduced based on the culture, making sure that you use the six R's in this book. And the second thing is you can really make a difference by letting kids know it's not going to be tolerated. Mm, I'd love to hear more about those six R's. What are they and, and how do they play into this idea of prevention? They play into it because the biggest mistake I see is that people say, but I'm using a program Mm -hmm. or we did that one time assembly or we all wore T-shirts that day. And no, bullying prevention must be systemic. It must be sustained. It must be ongoing and it must be based on only proven research. What we do know is the majority of those programs only about one third of them actually are effective. Mm. So be very careful before you go trying to implement a program by looking at where is this coming from and where's the validity of it. Number one R is you've got to establish an anti-bullying policy, which means we all have the clear expectations in this school site, in my home, in my neighborhood, in my community, that cruelty will not be allowed. And then it's not just that you're talking about it, but you have posted it. Mm -hmm. Every, by the way, every state has mandated this. 50 states are now required to have it. Every office of education in every state mandates it. So don't say my school doesn't have it. You just show them what the policy is according to the state of where you live. Mm -hmm. Second of all, you need to be able to recognize it. Not just stakeholders, but parents, adults. We're now training the kids. Here's what it looks like. We just defined it together, Robin. But one of the coolest things I saw was a, a group of kids. I worked on 18 army bases. And what the kids did on the army bases is they made videos, one little minute video of what is a what is bullying mm-hmm. then they sent him to every classroom so every single classroom was viewing the same tape together then they sent the flash drive home so every parent watched the same video mm-hmm. and what happens is now everybody's talking the same right. talk it's uniform you across the board respond mm-hmm. unless you know what you're responding to yes so the third thing is you now have to be able to figure out kids once they see it they need to know how to report it if you want to stop a school shooting, and that's just one of the, the things that I have studied the most on, what we do know is that 75% of the time, kids before they commit homicide or suicide tell. Mm-hmm. Who do they tell? They tell a peer. And the biggest, biggest mistake is not having some kind of a simple reporting object. It could be a box. It could be an online. It could be a text. But you've got to have multiple options, and kids also need to be able to report anonymously. Mm -hmm. When you do, you will dramatically reduce bullying, and you will help kids be safer. 
because they're the pulse. They really understand it and they hear it. Doesn't have to be bullying. Doesn't have to be school shooting. Something else could be going on. Right. Then you're going to deal with all of the children, all of the children, not just the bullies and not just the targets, but also the 85% of the kids who are witnessing. So the the fourth R is teaching everyone how to respond and how to respond safely. Mm-hmm. We teach bully buster skills to kids who are who can now change their mental so they can actually step in and, and speak out. The fifth R is teaching kids how to refuse so they're less likely to be victimized. We're teaching them assortive skills because we do know it's a repeated concept and they were continuing to be bullied if you don't help. And the sixth R is helping kids who are into bullying behavior patterns. So they now learn how to replace mm. and... Uh, that would be in replace aggression with more acceptable behaviors. All the tips are in the book. Yes. But the key is it needs all six R's to yes. be effective and reduce uh, aggression. Oh, I can see the importance of every single one of those R's. One of the things that I was thinking about while you were speaking, sort of, you know, a little light went on in my head. I'm wondering about the reporting. So many kids don't tell adults that they've been bullied. We know this. They don't tell um, if they've been bullied. They don't tell if they are being bullied. Um, And it makes them need to cope with this strife on their own. So in your opinion, why don't kids tell adults that they've been bullied? And if kids don't tell adults that they've been bullied, what are some signs that we should be looking for as parents and teachers? Well, first of all, we do know that the majority of kids don't, and they always come up with four reasons. I've done focus groups with hundreds of kids all over the world, and no matter where the country, what the school is, they come up with the same ideas. Number one is fear of embarrassment or humiliation. If this is scary stuff, they're embarrassed, and that means we adults need to be more open. We need to create a safe place where they can come and talk, and we need to start conversations about bullying at a far younger age so our kids do start to talk to us. Second is fear of retaliation. It's huge. When we automatically want to pick up the phone and just lambast that kid who's the bully, a lot of times what we discovered is that sometimes the parents are bullies as well. Sure. You need to really listen carefully, get all the information. You need to never promise your child that you won't tell, but you do need to promise your child that you'll keep him safe and let's go have a conference with the teacher, the, the, the principal. Third thing is the advice we give doesn't work says the kids. Mm. It's bad stuff. You always Mm. tell us to try that idea or just go speak out or don't worry, it's not going to be a big problem tomorrow. We give bad advice, Mm. which means we need to listen to the kids. And what I did in in, um, End Pure Cruelty, Build Empathy, that book, was give up the best advice that kids say will stop it. And the fourth thing is that we need to believe the kids. This is the saddest one, but many kids said they didn't believe me. Mm -hmm. They didn't realize how bad it was, or they said it's not that big of a deal. It'll get better tomorrow. That in mind is one of the reasons why we do need to help our kids report. And then the kids said is when we do report and we do fill out those forms, then you got to make sure that you read them. I tell counselors, be aware that they want to come to you. But the number one reason that they don't is that there's a line coming out of your office. So have a red card that's right around there on outside your office. If a child instantly needs to see you, they can flip that red card right under your door. You stop everything and you go outside and help that child Mm. and start reviewing those those 
those uh, report boxes and you'll be able to, here's the number two thing, figure out where bullying is. Bullying is situational. It does not happen everywhere on that school campus. Right. It doesn't happen everywhere on that park. Ask kids where are the places it's most likely to happen and it's where adults are not. It usually happens in places that are least likely to be supervised. They're called uh, hot spots. Yes. Hallways, lockers, stairwells, the back of buses, classrooms when the substitute's there or when your back is turned. When you can ask your child, where are the places you feel safest? By the way, kids said it's libraries. Mm -hmm. I say, why? Because it's really quiet. The adults watch it. You're not allowed to talk and bullies don't read. No. Go to the library. Kids are brilliant. We're just not asking them enough, though questions what the the most brilliant idea from a a junior high principal once they figured out where the hot spot was she made a full cardboard cut out of herself put a picture of herself in the middle of that hallway and said you never know when i'm going to show up but i'm watching you kids loved it and the bullying stopped at that spot Mm. wow what a genius Beautiful. Oh, there's so many ideas all of the ideas are in the book but here's the other thing great question robin so what are signs we're looking yes, for? Yes, what are we well, looking for? Number one is you're looking for a change in your kid's behavior. Yes, yes it may be something other than bullying. And every child's going to have a bad day. But are you seeing a child who's suddenly clingy? Yes. Are you seeing a child who doesn't want to go to school? Are you seeing a child that is now walking a different route to go to school, mm-hmm. walking the whole way around the school in order to get into the classroom, not going in the front door? Are you seeing a child that's having problems sleeping or having a problem focusing? Those are all signs that something's going on. If it lasts not just that one day, but continues to last, keep a calendar and track it. What you'll see is a pattern, and you'll also begin to see that maybe it's not all the time, but it's only on Wednesday. What's the pattern? What's going on on Wednesday? Maybe that's the time when he has to take that after-school class, and maybe something's going on there. Mm. Find out the what and the when and the how, and you'll get even further into it. Another one, are you watching your child, and all of a sudden, when you're in the room, he covers up the screen on the the computer, he turns the cell phone over. Those are signs that something's going on. Doesn't mean that it's bullying. Maybe some bad stuff's going on, that he's doing something, but you've got to dig a little deeper into it and figure it out. Changing all of a sudden his whole uh, demeanor, or maybe it's changing friends. Uh, maybe wanting you there right. are all signs that could be. There's a lot of different signs. I'll give you at least 16 of them to look for. But the most important sign is just put your radar up. Right. Watch a child. And when you see differences in your child's demeanor, something's going on. You need to dig a little further. So let's talk a little bit more about that. I mean, nobody wants their children or their students to be victimized. So could you give us some good tips on what we can do to help our kids less be less likely to be the ones who are being victimized? This one came out of University of Toronto. Every tip is research-based. They looked at thousands of hours of footage out on playgrounds, which kids were most likely to be victimized. Mm-hmm. And they discovered there's a pattern. The pattern is not what the child says, what they wear, but how they stand. So if there's one beginning tip that I tell parents, you can teach your child at age two, always look at the color of the talker's eyes. 
What happens is if you look at the color of the talker's eyes, you actually hold your head up. Mm -hmm. When you hold your head up, it makes you look more confident. Bullies are selective. They pick on kids who look more vulnerable. If you use strong body language, your whole body looks stronger and looks more confident. By the way, that's going to help your child not just be less likely to be picked on in terms of the bullies, but be more likely to be assertive in peer pressure. No, I don't want to. And then I teach kids calm, C-A-L-M. C is if you are ever picked on, this is the hardest one, but stay cool. And the reason is bullies like a response. They love it when you get a little angry. They love it when you look a little impulsive. They love it when you're ticked and upset because they're really lacking empathy and they're looking for the reaction. Uh, University of Finland uh, creates a thing that's really easy. They tell kids, pretend you're pulling a stop sign down in front of your eyes or you've got a metal vest around you. It sounds funny. But when we ask kids, does it work? Yeah, because you're giving me something to do. Mm-hmm. Not, a, it's not something assert. not to do, right? Something not to do is, is, is look like it bothers you. A is assert. And when you do assert, you do a very short line. It could be stop, period. It could be cut it out, period. Mm-hmm. Or cool off, cool off, or get away. One line only with a period said L firmly. Mm-hmm. So let's look at C is stay cool, A is assert, and you need to practice those lines with your child. Practice them over and over. Right. L is look them in the eye, hold your head up, look them in the eye, and M is make your voice sound firm like you mean it. Mm-hmm. Listen to my voice. Stop it. Stop it. Which mm-hmm. one do you think a bully would believe a little more on? Right. We got to so, go with the second one because it sounds assertive and firm. Yeah. What we've learned is that even when you teach these skids, skills to your child, you need to practice them over and yes. over and over and over. You also need to give your child a repertoire of possibilities. I'll give you dozens of ideas. So you sort of say, here's possibilities. Which one would you feel comfortable doing? And then you practice it and practice it until your child finally can do it on their own because what you're doing is trying to teach a new habit so your child can do it without you. Right, and we have to make sure that what they choose to say is something that they feel comfortable saying because it can't be our words. It has to be something that feels like them so that they can own it and say it with authority. Yes, exactly. So what about the kids who are watching? You know, the witnesses mm. and the bystanders. So you you say that these bystanders are our best hope for reducing bullying. So here are my questions. One, how does bullying affect those bystanders? And two, I know you did a Dateline special that taught bystanders how to stand up and speak out against bullies. So can you share some of those tips so that we can help those kids speak up? Yes. Oh, and thank you for the question. And why is it important? First, 85% of the time that bullies happen, when does bullying happen? When adults aren't present. Exactly. What that means is that the majority of all of our children will be witnessing some kind of bullying. And how does it affect them? Very often a child who is witnessing bullying first has empathy and they feel overwhelmed by it. They feel guilty or they feel shame that they couldn't figure out what to do. 
That's the first thing many kids say, I just didn't know what to do and I felt so bad about it. Second, if it's repeated, American Academy of Pediatrics says post-traumatic stress not only impacts the child who's the victim, but very often the child who's the witness. Mm, Because if they see it enough, they're beginning to see that empathy is going down in those children, creating the empathy gap. Mm -hmm. That said, what do you do? Safety is always the first step. And stepping up and speaking out to a bully is the hardest thing that you can do. So what I did was look at bystander effect which has got a lot of heavy research in social psychology. Mm -hmm. What I then did is come up with six different variations of kinds of things you can do. And on that Dateline special, and what I've done in schools all over the country, is teach them by role-playing them. B is one idea. In fact, I call it Buster, B-U-S-T-E-R, because what we've discovered is kids say, don't just say, here's six things. I can't remember the six things. Give me an acronym and I can remember yes, them. Yes, we love acronyms. <laughs> so you role play it. And what you do for children is you say, first of all, remember, what is a bully looking for? Power. Yes. Mm-hmm. So don't give it to him. As soon as you see that the bully and all of the kids are looking and stepping over toward the, the kid who's the bully, don't. Instead, the simplest thing you may be able to do is just walk closer to the child who is the targeted kids. What you do just by befriending the child, you may not even know the child, but if you walk towards that child, a lot of times what you can do is get other kids to walk towards you. And what you'll be able to do is draw the power away. And Mm -hmm. that alone is powerful. Mm -hmm. Second thing is you can use the distraction. You can get the just all the attention away from the scene. The most brilliant distraction I ever saw was a child who saw it didn't feel safe enough to intervene, and most kids don't. So what did he do? Snaky. He took his backpack off without anybody looking at it, unzipped it, walked towards the kids who were the who were bullying, and flipped his backpack off and then went, Oh, I need some help. Help. Oh. The bell's going to ring. I'm going to get dinged on my grade. Who can help? Well, half the kids went to him. What happened was the child who was, who was the target was able to sneak away. Perfect. So... That's a brilliant one. You can also exit the situation. If you stand there, you are giving the bully the power he wants. If you can't do anything, leave. Maybe you can draw other kids with you. If you can't do anything, get away. You can also do something after the fact, and kids love this. Many children who were targeted say the single greatest thing that ever happened to them that helped them was a child after coming up and saying you didn't deserve that I'm so sorry can I help you can I help you report it there's a whole lot of strategies again in the book that are there for you but you can just brainstorm with your child if you see somebody is being bullied you know you can always send them a text afterwards you can go up and say you want to sit with me during lunch this time Mm -hmm. there's lots and lots of things you can do but the key I'm really trying to do Robin is is help the kids realize that there are possibilities And the more you practice those possibilities, you'll be an upstander, which means you're going to help other kids realize that you can switch the norm. So it's no longer cool to be cruel. It's cooler to be kind. So if you had a bunch of kids in front of you, we'll say they were the the bystanders, Mm -hmm. and you had them in front of you, what, what would you say to them that could help them or encourage them to be people who stand up and do something rather than stand by and do nothing? Well, I do this a lot when I do assemblies with middle school kids because that's when bullying peaks. And the first thing is I actually 
put up X's on a chart paper and say, okay, now let's look at this. There's there are 10 X's up there. Just pretend seven, those, seven of those are you. One of those is the victim and one of them is the bully. And maybe there's another kid up there who's the henchman who's helping. Mm-hmm. Who's got the power so far? The power in number. Right. Mm-hmm. There's seven of you and there's only three of them or maybe there's only two of them. That means that just one of you does one simple little thing, you can turn the whole power struggle around and you can aid the child who is the victim. And then kids will say, we want to, we want to, but we don't know how. Mm -hmm. And that's when we start brainstorming. Let's look at possibilities because there's lots of them. You got to figure out what works for you because every bullying situation is different. Mm. That's the key. Now you're going to figure out what to do. And what many kids have actually done is absolutely brilliant. They love it once they hear it. And then what they figure out is who are the kids that they want to start being befriending with who can help them. And they start bullying, no bullying clubs. Mm -hmm. Uh, They realize that also that the power at a school site is actually the kids who have the clout. And that's the child on the second rung of the popularity yes. ladder. Yes. Those kids can switch the whole norms. Yes. That's the 85% of the kids. And what educators are realizing is that once you get through to those kids and you start giving them permission to care, you start getting them involved in putting up the signs. By the way, here's the other thing that's really simple. University of California, Riverside did a fabulous bit of research. They asked middle school kids, what works to stop bullying, what doesn't. And the majority of the kids said that thing that they hate are all those dumb signs that say, no bullying allowed mm-hmm. at our schools. Mm-hmm. And we looked at them and said, what do you want? So we don't want that. We want what should we do instead? Right. So the easy thing I tell educators is, okay, tomorrow, give every one of your kids all the kids at your school, a three by five card. This will take you one minute and you will change your culture. Mm-hmm. On a scale of one to 10, how much do you support bullying? Or on a scale of one to 10, if you are being bullied, how much do you want somebody to step in and help? Don't sign your name. Just give me a one to 10. 10 is you really want the help and one is you don't want anybody to help. Collect them and there's your new norms. You will find that 90% of kids at a school want somebody to step in mm-hmm. and there's your sign. What your kids now do is put up a sign. 90% of kids at this school are against bullies and 90% of kids at this school want you to step in if you are being targeted. Mm-hmm. You put those all over. Who makes the signs? The kids, not yes. the print shop. Yes. And what you are slowly doing is switching the norms so you're actually building empathy. It's empathy brilliant. Is- antidote to bullying i'm convinced of it yeah and that's where we need to put our effort and that's where we're at i love that it comes from the kids because you know i often i often say that you know if we say it it can be challenged but if the kids come up with it it's the it's their truth right so they're not going to argue with themselves so it, it makes sense for it to come to come from those children and they feel powerful then they feel like they're creating the culture and they should be creating the culture given that there's tons of them and not that many uh, of of the the adults right there's tons of children there and they should be the ones who are really formulating their culture and having a real say in it so i love that 
bad. Yeah, there's three parts to end peer cruelty, build empathy. Part one is exactly what you just mentioned. How do we create an inclusive, caring school culture where kids are empowered to step in? The entire part of part one is dozens and dozens Mm -hmm. of ideas that came from kids on how do you create such a culture. Part two is how do we get all stakeholders involved? So how do we create the team? How do we create um, the educators who who are trained in this? That's part two. Part three is those six R's. You put all of that together. You now have a systemic, sustained process. It's not a program. It's a process. And that's our best hope to stopping peer cruelty and giving kids the kind of schools they deserve. Safe, inclusive environments where they can learn and they can succeed. Mm, I love it. I love it. I'd love to... I'd love to flip this discussion to a, a sort of a challenging area because we're talking about the bystanders. We've talked about the victim in reporting, but what about the bully? You know, what yeah. about the children who are using bullying behavior? How do we stop their aggression? Uh, there are some very proven ways to do so. And I got my best strategies from that actually studying criminology mm. and violent offenders. And every criminologist said this could have been stopped if we'd started early. In fact, the f- biggest mistake we say is it's a phase mm, or it's a boy thing right. or it's a girl thing. And no. Yes, girl drama. You, yes. Yeah. The more you do it, the longer the empathy goes down. That's the, the real tragedy. And the more you become entrenched in the behavior. Remember I said bullying is learned and so too. It can be unlearned. Our goal is to help kids unlearn it. Now, that said, here's the biggest, this, the little dilemma is that there isn't one MO for a bully. What you've got to do is figure out the why factor, what is motivating Mm -hmm. that child's behavior. And that means you got to have that part two of the book. The team of the educators get together. They all sit down and they say, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you knowing? Why do you think he's or she is using that behavior? Some kids are quick and in the impulsivity. That child needs anger management strategies. Some kids are very low in the empathy level. So they need really strong empathy-based research strategies. That would be part six. Some kids... They are wanting it for the power. They want it for the social skills. And so let's look at the best proven strategies that help kids learn the social skills. The key is figure out the why. And then what you can do is figure out the, okay, now the strategy is. It's not, it's not a cookie-cutter approach, Robin. And that's what we're doing it wrong. Okay, let's run off these worksheets because that is going to oh, help. Yeah. Let's have them sign this pledge. Yeah. Now we're good. <laughs> It's, it's got to be real. Yes. It's got to be meaningful. And the other thing that we've realized is that the child has to also develop a different mindset. Yes. He or she has got to see himself as a caring human being. And that means he's got to start practicing the other end of pro-social behavior patterns. You act how you see yourself to be and you act out based on what your need levels are. So mm. what you want is the empathy piece. And I think one of the most critical pieces is that six the R number six. The other thing we know is that the child needs to be monitored. If kids are monitored and their behavior is watched, so they're not allowed to get away with it. And they also have caring adults who say, I'm here for you. Yeah. But this is what's appropriate. Right. And this is what's not appropriate. Exactly. And what happens is many kids have also told me who used to bully and stop the bullying. One of the coolest things that ever happened to them is that 
they were required to do service projects where they learned how to, they learned the power of empathy. And it's usually, they didn't do it with their same age kids. They did it by maybe, you know, being a role model to yes. a child in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Or uh, they taught, uh, you know, empathy skills to a six-year-old. Right. And what they began to see is themselves in a different light. Right. A child who bullies at age eight has a one in four ch chance to have a criminal record mm -hmm. by the age of 26. Well, thank you for telling us that because that really puts things in perspective. And I know that you use, you have so many strategies and wonderful stories in your other book that came out not too long ago uh, on selfie. And, and I encourage people to take a look at that if uh, that's an area that they'd like to explore further. Before we move to you know our top tips and, and ending this, I'd love to find out from you, what would you say to a child who has been socially aggressive? What would you say if it's a repeated pattern, they are clearly hurting somebody and they're sitting in front of you? What kind of words can a parent say or a teacher to say that may make an impact? Well, our lecture is not going to make the impact. Right. It's not a one word thing, but it's the first thing is to get the conversation going. So the child begins to hear where you're coming mm -hmm. from and your trust level. A big question along the way is what are you getting from it? What do you need differently? Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the only way you're going to get that information is develop a trusting relationship with that child. That is core. And what we're discovering is that many kids don't have the appropriate role model in their life. And so they're mimicking aggression because it works. There are also, there's three things that I always discover about this child. They're usually, it's a moral core that's missing. Mm. Mm -hmm. Number one is empathy is low. The more you engage in cruelty, the more your empathy levels go down. The mm -hmm. second thing is conscience goes down because they begin to see that this is acceptable. The third thing is that they don't have a brake system. Self-control is always low. So they need all three of those elements together. And your, your little mantra to the child is, you've been doing this behavior and we're going to stop the behavior. And I'm going to be there to make sure that you learn a more acceptable way to get your needs met. I'm not giving up on you. Nice. It's you and me together. Yes. And you just hang in there with me because this is how we're going to make a difference in your life. Yes, yes. And I love that we're, we have to be on each child's side. They do not want to feel alone. And when we're constantly berating a child for their behavior, when behavior is simply an indicator that something is going on, then we alienate them rather yeah. than embracing them and saying, I'm on your team and I'm here to help and we're going to do this together. Yeah. So tell us, before we get to our top tip, why did you write this book, End Peer Cruelty, Build Empathy, right now? Why did you write it? Uh, first of all, because I began to see... Robin, I, I have this real privilege of being able to work all over the world, and I've worked in hundreds and hundreds of schools. And I, what I've seen is the most extraordinary caring educators mm -hmm. who desperately want to change the pace. They know bullying is escalating, but they're using the wrong approach. Uh, and as a result, they're not getting the change that they need, and it's backfiring. Mm -hmm. Very often, the bullying is increasing instead of decreasing. So the first thing is, let's put out what we do know works because everything doesn't right second thing i have had too many children 
I can't tell you how many children, at least once a week, I get a letter from a parent or a letter from a child to the point it's suicidal behavior oh, patterns because of, um, because of the bullying. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I wrote on selfie, and this one was part two to write for on selfie because I, I swear empathy is the answer and empathy is lying dormant in our children. Yes. But it was a father who gave me a photo of his child and said, don't ever stop talking about this. Mm-hmm. My child would be alive today. Here's his picture. I now know for the very first time why he hung himself and I I found him with a rope around his neck. It's because the boys in his classroom had no empathy. Mm. So you must promise me. Um, I just, I choked every time I hear that. But I I carry that photo with me forever. Mm -hmm. That's the motivation for it. Wow. Yes. And we're so glad that you're doing this work and you've devoted your life to helping people increase empathy because it is a missing skill. It is a missing part that has been, hasn't been developed in many children. We're so quick to go, go, go and develop sports skills and fill the schedules. And sometimes we forget to take the time to really pull out the character of a child and highlight the caring aspect that is needed in order to have a culture of compassion in our schools and in our neighborhoods. So thank you so much for doing that and and doing the tough work uh, that is so needed in this world. We appreciate you. Thank you. And same to you. I think this is getting that word out together that we really can make a difference, that bullying is something that can be prevented or at least minimized, that culture matters, but so too do caring adults who are going to step up to the plate and help kids. Yes, I agree with you on that. So give us your top tip out of all the things that we could do right now that could help end pure cruelty and build empathy What's the one thing that you would say we could do? We've spent a lot of time talking about the kids right now in the last in our in our moments together here in the last two times. And I want to flip this a minute and I want to put it on us. I think the tip is based on all of the research on what builds an empathetic child and what is a child who's less likely to bully, it's how he's raised. Yes. And three things always come up. So often in every bit of research, and they're too darn easy to overlook. Number one, we got to model it. Yes, we, we are do. a society now that has put empathy down in the back burner. Mm-hmm. Uh, role models are atrocious. Our children know, need heroes right. that are kind-hearted people. Children who are doing it, us that are doing it. If you could do anything, ask yourself every night: If my child could only see my behavior today, what would he have caught? And I hope empathy is on your plate. Mm-hmm. He needs to see it. Second of all, not only model it, but talk about it. Yes. Children who are raised in environments that parents really expect it, and you talk about it in this house. Yes. I don't care what's going on out there in this house. I expect you to be kind, and I expect you to have that same behavior when you leave this house and you treat others. Yes. So if we looked at just those two, yeah. and then we give our children, number three, opportunities to be kind, opportunities to be kind with one another, what we're doing is we're stretching their little empathy muscles because we are having our kids practice everything and anything but. They're great at violin. They're fabulous at soccer. Oh, my gosh, do they know those math facts? But are they practicing kindness? Right. This is a world that you better put kindness at the top of the plate and have them practice it. And what you'll have 
is not an app and it's not another tutor and it's not another program. It's just you reinforcing the same three things that research says create empathetic children who are going to better the world. Well, you said it. You said it. And that is so important. It makes me think about uh, just yesterday, a friend of mine had gotten in touch and told me that when he was at the park with his child, who happens not to be the most popular kid, there was another child there who, who really was, you know, one of the popular kids. And her father was there with her and all the other little boys and girls from the class. There was a bunch of them that happened to be at the park that day. Uh, the The father said to the daughter, oh, let's buy ice cream for our friends. And, you know, she was very excited about it. But then he asked in a follow-up question, who would you like to buy the the ice cream for? Oh. And she picked out all the kids but this one boy, my friend's son. And I feel like just in that one moment, that one moment, it underscored how to be mean and cruel it was right out of the the sort of mean girl manual like how to teach your child how to be uh, rude and selfish just by modeling that one thing how to be elitist and it just killed me because i know how hard this father is trying and i also know how hard life has been for his son so I really appreciate what you're saying about modeling because in just a few words, you can you can either make it or break it with your child because what you say and do has incredible power. Oh, amen on that. What we forget are those, it's the teachable little moments that are so powerful. Yes. Take advantage of them. There's no rewind button on parenting. At the moment comes, that's when you speak up and you verbalize it loud. No, 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 no. We buy ice cream for all of our friends because that's the right thing to do. That's right. That's right. That's the right thing to do. And my hope is that, you know, when we mess up, because we all mess up, that we can go back and say, I wish I did that differently. That is not who I want to be. And that's not who I want you to be. I want to be this kind of person and I'd like to raise you to be this kind of person because you you do need to say the words. You do need to model it and you need to reinforce it as much as you can because there's certainly enough messages around here that say otherwise that it's okay to be cruel and it's okay and it's kind of cool to be mean and, and so we need to work hard at it. You just reinforced something. When I was writing on Selfie, I interviewed about 500 children who educators, parents said, that's a really altruistic kid. That's a kid who's making a difference in the world. So they all asked me, go find out how, why she's so altruistic. Is it her DNA? No, it wasn't. Every single child that I asked, how'd you become this way? What was the moment? And they all said, it was how I was raised. Mm. I said, pray. Please, play tell how we were raised. Back to the same thing. My model, my mommy modeled it. My dad talked about it. My both my parents expected us to be kind. You put those three things together, and that's the best hope we've got. We're going to raise up our kids to be part of a much better, kinder world. Oh, love it. Well, you have a ton of resources, but I'm going to ask you what the resource of the week is. I know what it is, but give us <laughs> the resource of the week because it came out this week and we all oh. want to know all about your new book. 
Oh, thank you. It, it is. It's end peer cruelty, build empathy. That's the resource. Everything you need of those six R's and how you create the inclusive, safe, caring environment in our neighborhoods, in our homes, and in our schools. We get on board together, Robin. That's how we're going to make the difference. I think you're right. I think you're right. And you've done a remarkable job in this whole genre. I mean, there is nobody who has written more and has done more in this area of empathy and working together to create an inclusive, empathetic environment than you. So thank you so much for being on the show today, for helping us to understand bullying, these six R's, and really giving us some concrete tools that we can use right away tonight at dinner, whenever, and and help our children to thrive in this world and be a change maker rather than somebody who stands by and allows bullying to happen. So thank you so very much. Robin, it is an absolute pleasure. Thank you for being you. Oh, you'll fill my bucket, Dr. Michelle (laughs) Borba. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends, I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash Dr. Robin Silverman. We can discuss it at DrRobinSilverman.com or Twitter.com slash Dr. Robin. Michelle Borba is also on Twitter, and I love being tweeting back and forth with her. So you'll see that, and please be part of it. I'm even on Instagram now uh, at Dr. Robin Silverman. I put all kinds of memes from the show up there and quotes up there so you can share them and know them and love them because of course Michelle gave us so many incredible quotes and if you love this podcast like I did I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it so others can learn about these outstanding solutions and use them in their own homes I know it seems ridiculous but I truly appreciate it because then more people learn about my podcast more people learn about Michelle Borba's awesome new book and her great tools and it also helps the people that you give it to so it's a triple bonus That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, and curriculum, please visit DrRobinSilverman.com. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even when it seems like nothing is going right, we all have those days. You've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. And on the days when we fall short, you know we all have those. Never forget that there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. I get it. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you're 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.